everyone, welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 150. Wow, it feels like this should be a celebratory occasion in front of people with an audience live again, like FigFest 100. But unfortunately, due to the circumstances, we can't. But I did manage to wrangle two very good guests that I've had on the show before who have both been awesome in their own right on several different podcasts. And I'm hoping that you guys um, will enjoy it. And yeah, I mean, when we first planned this, it was kind of like, well, we can come on and address some of the issues that are happening and and do this and do that. But bam, 100% increase. And now we're going to be all bells and whistles, I suppose. My first guest is SG. How are you doing, mate? Very good, Fig. Thanks for uh, having me back on. It's been It's been quite a while. It's nice to be back. It has been quite a while. So for those of you who are like, oh, getting the same old people on again, it's been a while for SG, all right? It's been a while. So why don't you remind people who haven't heard of you before what you do and a bit more about your Football Index journey? Uh, yeah, sure. So I um, well, I joined Football Index in January 2016, so it was very early on. Didn't do much for the first 12 months, as I think a lot of people do. But to be honest, there wasn't really much to do at that time. Uh, then early 2017 started taking it seriously, deposited quite a lot, sort of January and February 2017. And then I pretty much doubled my dividends shortly after they introduced PB for the 2017-18 season. Um, and then towards the end of that season, I think I withdrew a, a chunk of it to pay for, or let's just say stuff, given the present day regulations. Uh, and since then, it's just been sort of ticking along, depositing to take advantage of sort of major widespread market opportunities and withdrawing as and when needed for stuff at home or whatever um in terms of a job i work uh, in the gambling industry as a sort of well, football trader i guess you would say odds, odds compilation and stuff like that so it ties in quite nicely that's a that's a nice thing to have in the back pocket when you're when you're kind of assessing probabilities on football index i suppose it certainly does um and we're also joined by pb man making your fourth appearance i think two individual ones one of the uh, the pb debate with asp and lualua now number four for uh the 150 the big 150 how are you doing jeez is it four i think it's four. (laughs) yeah (laughs) you sound disappointed in yourself free too many probably (laughs) um why don't you tell the listeners a bit more about yourself and your football index journey yeah so kind of discovered the index in kind of early 2018 so i think i was coming home from the pub actually i saw a sign on the tube so there you go good good advertising mike bowen um and yeah kind of just signed up out of curiosity and i think it was after the 2018 world cup that i really went uh big on it i kind of saw the potential in it i i i kind of bet reasonably effectively um, and I kind of rinsed through all the mainstream bookmakers just to kind of have my accounts limited everywhere. And I was, I was <laughs> in the process of moving across the exchange and trying to, trying to find the kind of profitable strategy there on, on the exchanges. Um, and yeah, just found football index and I was like, this is, this is incredible and just moved my bankroll into the index instead, essentially in kind of July 2018. Not looked back since. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, you've been very successful. Westview has been very successful. I've been less successful than the pair of you, but I hope that we can have some good conversation about various various things. Before we get into it, I need to remind you that the Patreon is up and running, of course, that I've mentioned and plugged in this podcast for however many weeks now. Nearly 70 people have signed up now, which is awesome. Um, so if you don't know what a Patreon is, it's where content creators create premium bonus and behind-the-scenes content for their audience. In my case, I'll be trying to help traders profit more on their Football Index journeys by 
adding as much insight as I can. There's £3, £5, £8, £12 tiers. They're all displayed now with VAT included. So you're not being scammed, which is which is the great thing. I'm not trying to hoodwink you. Now they are showing VAT. Thank you very much, Patreon, for adding that. So if you want to check that out, head over to patreon.com forward slash fi guide so that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash fi guide for more information and join a growing community at the thick patreon um i'm also going to plug the state of play podcast which is my other podcast the football podcast that i run so if you want to check that out head over to at state of play pod we had an awesome guest sam ty who was the who is the uh bleach report uh kind of video and podcast guy there so it's really awesome episode check out we've got some nice comments and miscellaneous questions first for for you chaps um harwood index who's on the discord uh, a big part of that not a question but would like to just big up Cy gaskell for what he went through and how transparent he was with it all it really can save lives by people speaking up also the donation charity with the divs was a great I- idea should be very proud of yourself so sg i don't know if you want to touch on this a little bit well yeah that's uh that's quite a start um yeah I, I think i'd just like to thank everyone for their kind words on that subject i guess life threw me a bit of a curveball about a year ago and uh it just opened my eyes up to the commonality of mental health issues i suppose which i'd failed to truly appreciate previously um coming out the other side i feel it's only right that i play a little part in trying to improve awareness and so on so uh thanks for the support yeah kudos to you i think that was that was really awesome and i think that uh yeah it it can happen to anyone you know Uh, people can be affected by mental health uh anywhere doing anything in the world no matter how um successful or uh happy you might look there are people that are you know that can be suffering so do you know check on your mates every now and then and uh, donate to mental health charities we've done it with the the fig quiz before uh donating to mind and i think the the war zone tournament that we're arranging is going to be donating to mind as well so yeah give uh generously if you have the money to do so in this economic climate um fiat 500 show pony <laughs> keeps changing his name uh at pb man are you ready for pb man finds volume two it's probably the greatest tip in football index history at this point isn't it uh maybe i guess so i mean pb man finds 100 percent picks the king of the index the next <laughs> king so that's that's the usp i suppose i think i think show ponies asked that question because he did the artwork for it which was which is excellent that was that was a dumb thing basically where i was home for christmas and quite bored I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I actually found Sancho? And then that's basically it. <laughs> like a really, really rubbish kind of childish joke, but I found it quite funny. <laughs> it did actually take me a while to find him on, on the Where's Wally map, to be fair. So oh, fair play to Show Pony did a great job. He hit like, Adam Cole in there. I think you were in there, actually, enjoying yeah, a bit of was, sun. Actually, yeah. yeah, getting some sun on me. Um, <laughs> um sg no questions just pure love for the man himself you're welcome on the pony and the pand pod whenever so that's the kind of pirate radio station that panda and matt want to start which i obviously disapprove of but sometimes you've got to just let let the birds fly from the nest don't you um well, yeah. Oh, yeah what what can i say um yeah well crawley versus bolton final fixture of league two season so i'll be seeing the show pony there and uh yeah whenever i'm invited on uh, the pod i'm sure i will be able to make it <laughs> That, that would be a very different podcast from what I've seen of Show Pony. Kind of, <laughs> have to be late night. I think from what everyone's seen on him on the timeline, it would be a very different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be exciting though, wouldn't it? It would be. It would uh, be blockbuster. Uh, Soccer Index has a question here. Tweet of the year, Cy Gaskell. Talk to us through this moment. 
Um, and PV Man, how big was the turnaround after Black Thursday for the platform? So SG, why don't you why don't you tell us talk us through that tweet that he's talking about? Um, so I think that was the deposit. Um, yeah, I deposited ten thousand pounds. I think it was, and it was a couple of days after they'd um, announced the temporary double dividends um, in March. I think it was. So. Uh, and that was alongside a deposit bonus. And I think I decided to sort of hit deposit when it became apparent that there just wasn't likely to be any football for a while. Um, so there was bound to be a shift in the market somewhere and I just wanted to be ready to take advantage of that. Um, I think in the end, a lot of it went into Sancho. <laughs> yeah, I think you've been a guy who's deposited every time there's been a bit of a scare, a bit of a wobble, a bit of, uh, I guess, blood on the streets. Yeah, yeah, I think that's always the best best time. Like we know from from history that people panic and some prices dip, but I mean, in general, it's always going to bounce back. Nothing. I mean, this was a different scenario, obviously, with the, with the chance <laughs> that there was no football forever. Um, but that seemed pretty slim. And, um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things, isn't it? When the when the market panics, you can uh, take advantage. And, and PB Man, uh, I think you are the one who coined the phrase uh, Black Thursday. Either you or Panda or, or you two combined. Um, you know, a big dip, but were you ever, you know, scared at that point? Uh, well, it'd be difficult not to be a little bit wary. I mean, like uh, SG's been on the platform for a long time and kind of started, apparently it was a lot worse when PB was introduced, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, it was... It was a it was a massive moment because uh, it's, it's all well and good saying all oh, the platforms going places. Um, the players have great underlying value, so if they dip, you can buy them. But the fact people actually did uh, in in a moment of crisis, um, I, I think it kind of it, it means people actually mean what they're saying when they're saying this can be huge. The players pay out dividends and they're valued by the dividends and they have underlying value. Is that people actually put their hand in their pocket and bought bought a dip, which is, and not just a dip, but kind of the worst scenario possible. Basically, I don't. I, I find it hard to come up with something that's much worse than that. Kind of football being cancelled in a global pandemic. If if you told me that that had happened and the market went up thirty percent before it happened, I would have said you were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, historically, Football Index has done better with no football on, though. So maybe we should have seen it coming. Yeah, maybe. But, but I still would have called you crazy. F I Venture C. This is going to be a great one. Does PB Man still hold Leon Bailey? If so, why? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, the why question is a bit harder. Uh, it's kind of like when you're in a bad relationship that you know is bad but you don't want to leave because you've kind of invested quite a lot in that relationship. So kind of you're hoping that one day he'll change his ways and come good, which, you know, he did, he, he won PB twice in a, in a very Bailey way. I think he did it with a combined score of about 90. <laughs> was, was it one of them literally like 12 or something he, like that? He came on yeah. and made a pass and it meant he beat the other forwards because he <laughs> made a pass, which is a very Bailey way to win PB for the first time ever. I think <laughs> Look, you, you take them though, don't you? You take them. Oh yeah, you do. Um, you do. I, I um, mean, look, it, what makes Bailey bad at the moment is what could make him really good. Is that he is, he is, he is mercurial and unpredictable, and he has a bad attitude. But on the index, those aren't necessarily bad things. I mean, it, you can kind of see him in the Premier League, fall him out with a manager, or force him <laughs> through a transfer. 
but it doesn't help when he's getting benched at Leverkusen. So, no. <laughs> I suppose he's kind of your, your like your good luck charm at this point. Yeah, actually, like, I, I did sell him off briefly. There was a game where he scored a brace against Bayern Munich. Yeah, he, he actually tore Bayern Munich apart in very Bailey fashion. Like occasionally, he has one of these days. But then, then he got injured. He was on for a PV win, and and he got injured. And I was like, no, gone. <laughs> like, I'd, that was I'd had enough. People were buying because he was getting in plays, and I was like, no, you're gone. And then and then actually, my port. <laughs> plateaued for a while and then i brought him back and it rocketed again so mate some things are meant to be you know yeah just, just a match made in heaven yeah yeah you know he's he's like kind of my my spirit animal maybe <laughs> something like that <laughs> well i mean let's 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 talk a little bit about the announcement because i don't want to talk about leon bailey this whole podcast oh, we, 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 we can if you want <laughs> surprisingly i'm not keen maybe episode um, 200 we could do, do a bailey special Oh, mate, we can do it in front of the audience as well. Oh, I mean, that would be a sellout, know. surely. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there'd be no tickets left for that. Uh, Low Fireside, Bailey Chat. Um, FI Headhunter, another two cracking guests, uh, obviously following on from Lee Butler, who was phenomenal and might actually go on to be the most downloaded show ever. So uh, do check that one out if you haven't it was really, already. It, it was, was really phenomenal. good, yeah. I, I listened smart to guy. the whole thing. Oh, very smart. Yeah, very very smart guy. Um, I was I was in awe of his smartness, which is always a good thing. Uh, looking forward to this one. Has the dividend review caused you to change your strategy in any way, either short term or medium to long term? So, SG, why don't you uh, go ahead here? I think if we're ignoring the spoof dividend review, um, the short answer is no. Uh, generally, I consider myself a sort of short to medium term trader. Um, I think that's the style I just found most rewarding and fun. Um, when we got the 30% increase or whatever it was with the goalkeepers, I I was in the process of thinking, right, we're going to have to switch to a much longer term view because this isn't really going to cut it. Into, there's just not going to be many sharp rises. The dividends on offer aren't good enough to get the usual trends and it's just not really worth concentrating on. So I was setting myself up for just switching to to the young guys that'll still be there in, in two or three years when they might turn it around and probably just withdrawing along the way in case they didn't. Um, but since we've had the real dividend review, um, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's just a case of continuing as, as it always was. Um, a few, well, a large part of my port will still be the sort of the young, um, elite players because mine, I've got them now and it's, it's hard to justify selling them. Um, but I'm going to be spending a lot more time researching the sort of IPDs and the, and the early PB performers for the new season because they always get a big rise. So yeah, I think it'll be a bit of everything for me. What percentage split do you run between the long-term holds and the in-play dividend and PB flipping? Yes, so I think previously I I wouldn't really have had anybody down as a long-term hold. Anyone like I'd be, you know, I wouldn't be against selling anyone within three or four months if if the price was right. But now, the likes of Sancho and Mbappe and, and Trent, I can't really see myself getting rid of them for the next two years. Um, and they currently are about 60% of my portfolio. So the, I guess you'd say maybe 67, 70% long term and the rest to do with as I please. And we'll see, we'll see what that might be. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because those, those three you mentioned to get them to kind of up to par value where you'd want to sell them is going to take massive index growth, basically. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's, just, it's a bit of a waiting game until 
until it feels like they're actually yeah, not we, hugely we, we, undervalued and then <laughs> I can feel like it's okay to sell them. Yeah, we actually need the index to grow quite a lot before you flip yeah, them. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> so I'm not expecting big things necessarily in the short term for them, but um, hopefully I can you know, enjoy myself doing the, the PB, uh, PB waves. <laughs> do you think you might get FOMO um, if those guys are stagnating? Um, uh, you know, w- will you be tempted to instant sell them or sell them for bigger rises? And then alternatively, what if one of these guys wins one of these uh, big PB days, you know, the ones that you've mentioned? Are they actually going to rock it quite a lot? I mean, you know, you've mentioned the guy there in Bappe who's about 10 quid. Messi's, what, 750 he peaked at recently. They're not worlds apart in terms of how much money is needed to move them up. So you might see big rises if they do win PB. Um, yeah, big big rises. I'm, I'm not too worried about that. That'd be good. Uh, I think if they start stagnating, the ones that I've got, then I there will be the there will be the call to, to instant sell them. There always is, but... Um, I think I've had a change of attitude towards the index in general and sort of when I might want to leave. Previously, I've always been a sort of get as much energy as you can and withdraw it and buy a house, that old thing. But now I'm, I think the long-term future of football index is so strong that I'm happy to be here in five years and hopefully made five times my, what my current pot is at the minute. Um, so, so I'm not going to be in a rush to, uh, to sell them. And I don't think, uh, the FOMO will overcome me if they don't do much. I think I, I just put out the private Patreon uh, podcast, little plug there. And what I said was like, start preparing yourself to not giving into FOMO. Uh, because I think there are going to be some some crackers rises, aren't there, in the next uh, eight weeks, I suppose. And there's going to be a big temptation to kind of move completely away from your strategy and kind of go for some of those rises i mean pb man you've got a very much a not a set and forget strategy but you definitely create a thesis and you drill down on who you want to buy you buy them in great quantity and you kind of leave them until they reach a, a value you want to sell are you doing anything different now that this dividend increases here no i'd say just doubling down on that strategy basically I, I, i'm gonna have some money for but these in plays are very generous at the moment and there are going to be big rises on younger players but if I'm going to load into a younger player, it's going to be because I'm going to hold them because like a breakout player this year, it, <laughs> I don't know what price to put on them really with these payouts. It's like ridiculous value. Um, yeah. So just kind of, kind of keep doing what I'm doing. I think the first player I kind of bought after the announcement was Mbappe, who I'd never, I've never bought before basically, but it was because. Like that, that statement to me is basically says the index is going places and Mbappe is going to be around for the next decade or so. And so basically they, they just said to me, yeah, FI is going to be as big as I kind of expect or hope it would be. Um, so yeah, just p- pick up some Mbappe as kind of a, a buy and hold. I, I think, um, I'm actually quite risk averse as a trader. P- people kind of see that I've got a lot of money in one player, but that, that's, because I'm very confident in that player and I understand the downsides and the upsides. And I'm happy to kind of hold them through for a long time. Whereas I think to kind of flip in play, you have to be more, you have to have a higher risk profile because it, it, if it goes wrong, you can be left with the player basically. And if you haven't got like a long-term view for them, but that, that's when I make my mistakes is that I, have, I end up with this player that I don't necessarily want. And then I'll, like, I, I, I'm just chucking them out the door. Uh, loss quite often so yeah 
I'm probably kind of in a halfway house. I've kind of got my set strategy and players that I want to hold for a long time, but I am going to be freeing up some funds and maybe depositing to take advantage of some of those rises that you mentioned and the in-play side of things. So it's going to be a really interesting market in the next um, couple of months. I think you did a really good job, uh, PB Man, of kind of explaining why we didn't see Rocket straight away uh, via Twitter on a thread. And there were a few people DMing me like, oh, why isn't, uh, why isn't the market just absolutely booming? I had a message from my housemate who was just like, why isn't everyone just rising? They've doubled the value of every player. And I kind of tried to understand, uh, try to t- try to tell him that it's too pronged. You know, you've got value everywhere, and there's not enough money. So, do you want to do you want to kind of give us a bit more insight into that? Uh, yeah, can do. It's yeah, it's just there's just not enough money. Essentially, they managed to add value to every single player. I was sat there like, who do I buy? And I was like, I kind of want everyone. So that like that because it, often with announcements, it kind of focuses value on one kind of player. But last time we had goalkeepers. So it's very easy to go, oh, we're going to have rockets on goalkeepers and just buy in. Uh, but this time, yeah, everybody everybody basically doubled in price. Uh, the question I would ask people as well is, why why do you want rockets? Like, I, don't, I don't want players I want going up at this point in time. I want to be getting the new generous dividends and buying more of them. Like, yeah, like immediate rockets that kills off some of the value it is, it isn't necessarily ideal. Right. Feels good, though, doesn't it? That's why they want them. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it definitely feels good. That's why. <laughs> but but for me, like, like a period of stagnation is kind of not so bad, really. Where if I have a player, I want to stockpile a lot of, which there are a lot. <laughs> there are probably like fifty players now. I would be quite happy to hold them large quantities. I, I, I want those players to sit still. I, I want to collect the new dividends. I want to get these new in-play dividends in. I want to reinvest them into these players. So I'm quite happy with it, kind of sitting for a while. I did say that to someone as well. It's like, well, if it sits, you have more time. I literally said that to my housemate when he came home because he was obviously like, what's happening me in, in, incessantly? Like, why isn't everyone flying? What's going on? Is it broken? And I was just like, this is actually quite good, you know? Like, if you can spend, if you have more time to actually spend and, uh, you know, look at um, who you want and get as many of them as you can, then you're going to be in a good position. Um, we got a question here from uh, Soccer Index. I think he's got another one further down. I will have one more. Based on these payouts, what price will the highest price player on the index be this time next year? Uh, how important is this for the rest of the market? Um, I'll start off by saying I think it's very important uh, that the sort of the higher one player can go, the higher the rest will go. And rightly or wrongly, comparative pricing sort of plays a big part in price movements on the index in general. So if we can get Sancho or whoever it might be to uh, to stretch out ahead, then um, I'm sure the rest will catch up, even if, if, if the value, the relative value might not be there. It will look like uh, the, the rest of them are too cheap. So just get the whole of the index moving up. Um, for, the, for the actual price, that's, that's a hard question because not only is it dependent on what happens to whoever that highest price player is it comes down to how easy football index make it for the prices to actually increase mm. um which we really don't know anything about but you know if i have to guess which i do i'm going to say 29 pounds <laughs> 29 <laughs> okay i hope you're right <laughs> is yours a bit different to that pb man i wasn't going to say 29 <laughs> i'll take it happily <laughs> Yeah, I, well, to be fair, this time last year, I was saying it'd be brilliant if we ever got a £10 player. So, and we overshot that by quite a lot. So, you, you never know, really. I'd say probably £22. I was going to say about 23 24 yeah. 
Yeah, something like that, I think, is reasonable. But again, my SG says we don't know what necessarily what the pricing mechanism is going to be. I wouldn't be surprised they make it like 100 shares to move a penny as it goes up just because it needs mm. more money, mm. in which case... Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it. They could literally just double all the prices for the hell of it, couldn't they? And <laughs> nothing would really that's, change. That's what I'd do if I was them. Yeah. <laughs> when we're selling against each other, it's still just a case of, oh, all prices have doubled. You've still got to sell it to someone and buy it. It's, you know, it's an option. <laughs> it would be a very strange option, I suppose. I it mean, would, yeah, it would. But it I'd would be a strange theory. move if they were like, we're just doubling everyone. <laughs> I, I wouldn't double everyone, I'd double Sancho. <laughs> As no, a very was... unbiased Sancho holder. <laughs> but, that would be that would be tin hat time, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. But from their point of view, like they're going to they're gonna have big liabilities on Sancho and he's going to pay out a lot of dividends. So less than those liabilities by making the odds of the bet worse kind of makes sense. I don't think they would I, do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the they changed the delta from about nine hundred to about five six hundred, didn't they? Well, mm-hmm. in the in the last share split, I think they were realizing that maybe prices weren't as explosive, but also that their liabilities were getting bigger and bigger, weren't they? Yeah, because you're getting more money into the player, and the player's price isn't going up. Mm. So the player's going to yield yield more as more money, like the money's mm. going in, he's paying out more in dividends to that single mm. player. Which is uh, obviously what FI uh, don't want all the time. No, and, um, and it, well, it, it helps. Like, like players like Sancho rising helps the market so much because mm. it's, it's just like it's a statement of confidence in FI itself for starters. When young players rise, like when Cherokee's kind of hitting five pound or whatever, it's because people are expecting that in three years' time, like dividend payouts going to be higher and the market's going to be bigger. And that in that context, it's a very good bet, isn't it? Because you, you've got this double bet of this elite young player, and also, um, like like this bet on the index itself as well. And, and like if you have Mbappe sat at six pounds and Turkey at five pounds, where where is Turkey going to go? <laughs> like like <laughs> if I present you with those two, you're buying Mbappe, aren't you? So it kind mm. of holds, regardless of what value, like Turkey might well be worth more than five pounds. He might be worth eight, nine, ten pounds. But if but it, you can't have him more expensive than Mbappe just because. If that happened, everybody would just buy Mbappe instead. Mm, mm. So comparative pricing kind of has a spot in that kind of sense. We've got a question here from Index Profit Hunter. Um, what price do you think the most expensive player on the platform needs to be to reach before a share split is announced? Would also love to, uh, to hear you predict when that will be. So um, share split, do you think that's on the cards in 2020 now? Uh, 2021 now, gents? August, August 2021. August 2021. All right. Uh, alongside another dividend really <laughs> i would i'd completely agree i'd probably coincides with sort of a 25 pound player which by my reckoning would happen just before august and by you guys probably just after but yeah that, that sounds about right yeah um, i'd probably mm. announce if i was them i'd probably announce it when I, when they got a few players over 15 pound but it's not just one player it's probably a few players that will stretch up a bit yeah and also if you do it in i guess august 2021 it means that the you, you have probably a dividend increase that definitely isn't going to be 100% again. Um, I mean, who knows? It may well be, but I'm probably speculating it'll be, be uh, lower or maybe similar to the kind of 57% that we had or, or maybe even lower depending on how much prices have increased and the share split to, to boot with that would really uh, get the, the market motoring, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, you remember last time they announced the split, it was basically steady growth for six months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um we've got a question here from fi pell uh when the new divs were announced did you go on a spending spree or sit back and let things settle first so pb man you were kind of like basically frozen couldn't do anything 
I suppose, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. So it's a lot to take in, isn't it, when they just kind of add value like that to everybody. But I didn't really have a plan for it. But like I said, I kind of bought Mbappe just as kind of a default player I don't have who has just had his value raised massively. And then I've still got a cash balance where I'm kind of like trying to work out what I want to do. Because I said with that, kind of, I tweeted that kind of boats analogy of the boats rising, where you you can try and get on the fastest boats. Where when I've got when I'm quite nimble with the cash balance, I can kind of see let's see which player is kind of going, going to go first. Like if someone goes and smacks in a few goals in league and with five p, ten p, ten p in play dividend payouts, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you can see that getting silly really. In play, it's going to be. Well, it's gonna with a four pm deadline as well. It's gonna it's gonna be kind of insane, I think. And the announcement today that all Premier League games are going to be shown right until fans are, are back. The three pm fixtures are going to be shown on TV. It's going to be pretty crazy. <laughs> oh, isn't it? if someone if, if someone kind of hyped scores a scores a brace and before four pm in the Premier League, Jesus, or maybe Messi. <laughs> Could be Messi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, SG, before I ask a couple questions about Messi, because I think it's a really interesting g- discussion, they're going to be my own question. Um, did you do anything, any spending after they increased dividends? Um, I did relatively little. I, I think I must have been sort of living in denial for the, for the last six, six weeks because I think I always felt that they were going to do this. It, it seemed the only possibility, the only way out. So it didn't surprise me. And I'm just feeling like I always felt because I feel like this was always coming um but what I did I bought 200 Trent immediately at 10 pounds 30 and then ended up picking up more at cheaper than that later in the night anyway um so nothing really it didn't really take off as such um but the messy situation has really put sort of the cat amongst the pigeons so I haven't really been doing any buying since then I've mainly been selling so I've got a bit of cash to uh, play with once we find out what happens with him <laughs> Um, what what is your thoughts on on that situation, PB man? Obviously, this is this is probably the biggest thing that's happened index wise since Latam went to Man United, which I'm not sure you were on the platform. For. No, I wasn't. Um, but I mean, SG, this is definitely the biggest thing, don't you think? Since that? Oh yeah, huge, huge. I mean, if he moves, it's definitely the biggest thing that's happened ever. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's going to be media beyond anything we've seen before, I imagine. Um, but I'm still very doubtful it'll happen. But but if it does happen, it will be huge. Hmm. I mean, run me through your thoughts, PB man. Like, what are the potential? What what are the chances this happens? What are the implications if it does happen? Are you kind of worried about some of your holds if it does happen? Are you looking to buy certain players if it does happen or doesn't happen? There's just so many avenues that this could go. Oh, it's it's brilliant, isn't it? It's it's exactly what makes the index so fantastic. Is that there's all these kind of ripples of different things going on. Where you can kind of like you you can't get a good bet on this kind of stuff. It is very difficult to, and, and then you can kind of play so many things that you would never have the opportunity to bet on anywhere else. So like Messi moves to the Premier League, you'd think he would hit the media expectation of all other Premier League players essentially, which would be interesting because they've also just had their dividend expectations doubled. So it probably actually doesn't really hit anybody's value because they're all kind of underpriced. And then there's there's so many questions around kind of, I've, I'm kind of sixty percent that it does happen. I've, I've, I think this time it feels a bit different. That like it feels like Messi's really trying to 
get out of there basically the Bartom- Bartomeu's playing games and it, so it'll be interesting to see how how that kind of plays out and then index wise you've got kind of the effects on the City players like Messi coming in obviously the greatest player of all time I think a bit past his best but still probably the best player in the world <laughs> which it kind of sets, shows how good he is kind of how, how's that going to affect De Bruyne how's that going to affect Sterling who leaves City who do Barcelona get to replace him does Griezmann step up for Barcelona does the fact Messi's going to Man City actually reduce his PB opportunities, which increases the value of the other forwards on the index? Which I think it does, to be honest. That's kind of controversial. I think he'd make up for it in media anyway, but you but by by a lot. <laughs> but but I think at Barcelona at the moment he's allowed to play ninety minutes every single game. He takes all the set pieces. He takes the penalties, even though he's rubbish at penalties. Um, <laughs> like they get the ball, they give him the ball. Well, uh, City. Is Pep going to rotate him? Is he going to get subbed off after 75 minutes? Is De Bruyne going to let him take and miss penalties over and over again? Um, is De Bruyne going to let him have set pieces? It's, it's, it's going to be really, really interesting to see if it does happen. Yeah, there are so many implications, isn't it? There's the immediate, you know, Man City, what happens to their players? What happens to Barca's players that, that you mentioned, you know, the Griezmann's, the Suarez's, the Fatties, the, the Trincao's, etc. Do they get more opportunities? There's a exciting generation of, of youngsters coming out of Barca's academy that many are saying is the best since La Messiah, the ones that are like 15, 16 now. Are they going to be IPO'd at crazy sky high prices? Are they going to rock it when they come into a Barca team without Barcelona, uh, uh, without Messi rather? And then there's the implications of you know what about everyone else in the premier league who wins media are they suddenly watered down is that is that a worry for um i mean pb man your your great fine sancho is that a worry for his uh, media appeal this summer this, this summer absolutely 100 percent. obviously it takes a hit sancho is kind of looking like the saga messi appears <laughs> wow out of, out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 messi just appears in the back of the room and decides he fancies some media um i don't know like sancho like for me we're kind of valuing him as a player that should hopefully be around for like 15 years or so. So it's not, the Messi's kind of short-term impact on him, I don't think is like, like if you're buying Sancho for the summer saga, then yes, obviously. But I'm kind of buying Sancho as I think he's going to be an index poster boy. And I think the index is going to double, treble, quadruple. Um, and, and, and I think that, uh, Messi is going to be around for maybe two or three years and then after that it's kind of Sancho and Mbappe's world isn't it as it currently stands we don't know who else is going to appear or how, maybe maybe they hit a few road bumps but for, for for like Sancho he doesn't need to be returning massive massive dividends now obviously he, he, he hopefully will be but I don't think it would hit his value as much as it would say a prime player who currently wins media I, I don't want to pick out any name any names but um, like if if you've got a player that's sort of in his mid to late twenties in the Premier League, who's got a lot of media value, that's it's probably going to impact them more. Yeah, yeah. And and the one thing that maybe people haven't talked about is like it's not only Sancho's 
transfer saga. It's every transfer saga. I mean, Ben Chilmer went to fucking Chelsea for fifty million, and not one, no one batted an eyebrow because everyone was talking about <laughs> Messi. You know, he went he went to Chelsea on a fifty million deal, two hundred grand a week, and he had what six hundred media points. If Messi doesn't happen or isn't happening, or no one's talking about him, he's just staying at Barcelona. How many points does Chilwell get? I think people need to really understand the the gravity of the situation. If you're trading transfers this summer, SG, then it's going to be very hard unless it's a, a Sancho-esque, unless it's a Havertz-esque deal. It's it's going to be hard to move the needle above Messi, isn't it? Yeah, I think people usually overestimate how much media buzz players will get on the transfer anyway. Like un- Unless it is a really top, top player, you, you're looking at maybe winning a day maximum. Um, so it's, it's already overestimated. And, and now with Messi potentially... Tran- I mean, if Messi transfers nobody else is winning any other day for the next month pretty much um so it's it's almost not worth trading transfers for media just like forget about it (laughs) um i mean we have got we've got three places or whatever on on sundays but what with it being delayed into the start of next season for the french league and other leagues then uh, it's all a bit higgledy piggledy and uh, I, i wouldn't really bother for for the media side of the transfers at all uh, I mean, I've seen you tweet, SG, that he'll probably rise, but you're not going to buy. What's the what's the thought process behind that? And also, what um, w- what do you kind of anticipate his price graph to look like over the next month and a half? Um, I think he just doesn't really... It's not a trade that really fits in with something that I'm really comfortable with at the minute. Uh, I think the whole... Obviously, before he moves... At this price, I'm I'm not interested at all. It sort of feels like it's fifty fifty, and the upside is maybe I probably possibly gets to ten pounds if he if he goes to City, and then he's, he's back down to sort of five pounds if he doesn't if he stays at Barca, and then there's obviously the transfer abroad uh, somewhere somewhere terrible, um, which would be like worth nothing. So at the minute, it, it feels like a sort of fair bet, and given the value we've got that's just been made available almost across the entire market, uh, a fair bet doesn't sound like the right answer. Uh, so, yeah, like I say, I think if he goes to City, we'll we'll see him at £10, and then he'll probably win loads and loads of dividends and just stay at £10 for a while and then steadily decrease down to, down to 2 or £3 by the time he retires, pretty much. Mm. Mm. It's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see how people kind of trade in and out of him, isn't it? I mean... You know, him at City, how long is that contract? You know, what's his price? If it's a three-year contract, what's his price? If it's a two-year contract, it's just fascinating to see. This is why Football Index is unbelievable. I mean, I think, uh, PB Man, you, you didn't refer to it directly, but you kind of insinuated to what Buzzing Pool tweeted, which was uh, £15,000 was traded on Betfair Exchange on Messi's new move and about a million pounds has been, or more, has been traded on him um, since the kind of news came out that he might be leaving. Yeah, yeah, but that, that was a good tweet from Buzzing Pool and, and, and it's exactly correct. The, the problem with transfer market odds is that the bookmakers actually stop anybody with any kind of knowledge placing them. So, and on the exchange, people don't want to bet against people with more knowledge than them. So, that, that those markets are very inefficient and they don't really reflect probabilities properly. So, actually, the index, I think, can become the place that does reflect transfer probabilities better than anywhere else, which is quite quite the USP, really. Like, it's the only place you can kind of trade on these kind of things happening. Is, does it take something like this for people to realise just how special media is and then more generally how special football index is? Yeah, I think so. 
I've, I've, we we had a lot of cries that it was boring recently, didn't we? Before they before they doubled dividends and made everybody undervalued, and people love players going up. Um, but yeah, it's like the excitement of it is. I'm kind of glued to this Messi saga when I wouldn't. I, I don't think if I had a stake in the index and I kind of had, knew the ramifications of different things happening, that I would be. Oh yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I even though I've said I've I've not really got any intention of buying him, and I can't imagine the sort of trades I would make if he did move or or if he chose not to move. I'm still just paying attention to it nonstop just because I see what, want to see what happens on the index. Yeah, it is it's definitely it? exciting. You see, you see a bit of news breaking. You're like, I wonder, I wonder what that's done to his price. Yeah, exactly. When we, when we have the sell side of order books, we'll have to see this like instantly. At the moment, it's a bit kind of muted and it happens in the spread quite often. But when when their price kind of moves second by second, as news breaks, as press conferences happen, as games are played, it's gonna oh, it's gonna be amazing. Yeah, I think what you said about the the USP of being able to bet on transfers is very important as well because I was paying attention to sort of the bet market today and. Even though there was all these rumours of, oh, he's agreed with Man City, the numbers have been sorted out, blah, 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 blah. The Betfair price just was barely moving and yeah, he was going up 10p every two minutes on Football Index. So certainly quite interesting. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for our first transfer that breaks on the index where a player rises randomly. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then the transfer goes see. through. Yeah, and it, it comes, <laughs> the index breaks the transfer. Maybe we'll have journalists reporting on, oh, so-and-so's price has rocketed on the index maybe he's moving to man united <laughs> no it would be lovely yeah it'd be great <laughs> um i mean uh pb man you mentioned sell orders there yeah. uh obviously a couple episodes ago on the, the fit cast extra panda did an awful job of kind of explaining yeah. how they'll work woeful, um, woeful 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 stuff isn't it from from him um as one of the smartest people i think i know he's uh he's butchered that hasn't he but um luckily it was salvaged a little bit by uh lee b in the next episode that we did yeah. me and him um Talk, talk me through how important sell orders will be to the platform and why people should be excited for them more than fearing them or nervous for them. Well, the, the sell queue is the worst part of the platform at the moment, by far, and has been for a long time, in my opinion. The, the kind of, when you try to explain it to someone who's not an FI, who maybe has a trading background or, you know, they're, they're like, well, how do I sell a player? And I'm like, you join a queue behind everybody else at a set price. And if no one wants to buy at that price, you have to wait for more people to join the queue behind you. <laughs> it's just insane, really, isn't it, when you put it in those terms? Like, it's mad. Did you, did you, the Lewis Alberto queue, the great Lewis Alberto queue of 2019, where, where I was sat in that queue for four months. <laughs> it's now it's now becoming the Bruno Fernandez queue, isn't it? People keep DMing me about Bruno Fernandez's queue, uh, that they're certain it's about £1.30, which, um, it, you know, the one thing that sell orders does, it unlocks all that capital straight away, doesn't it's it? It's better for buyers and sellers. I, I, I know kind of people are worried about being a seller and prices dropping. But at the moment, I think prices are dropping more than they would do because people don't want to leave the queue. And people don't want to buy because they don't want to end up with a player that has a, has a humongous queue on him. And because you get dividends in the queue, right? So you're like, well, I can queue him and I'm not even at the front of the queue. If there's some big news that means his price goes up, I can kind of unlist because I'm not going to be the first to go. And on that way, I'll just collect some dividends. Why not? Yeah. Oh, it's woeful. I hate it. <laughs> it's it's just like, like even like stuff like I want to place bids on players, but I, I'm also in the queue for them like because they have a big spread on them. I don't want to remove them from the queue because if someone wants to buy them, I might manage to sell. 
but also I value them at higher than what the bid price is. And I would happily provide liquidity there and kind of put bids in. But, yeah, that's particularly frustrating, oh, I find. It's, it's yeah. rubbish, isn't it? It's just, just no, terrible, terrible. Thumbs down from me. <laughs> Hopefully it's all sorted soon. Yeah, no, that's that's the hope, isn't it? That sell orders come in uh, and, and the uh, it's just going to be so exciting, the kind of, as long as they get it right, the kind of dynamic way that things can move with sell orders, where can't like imagine Messi at the moment moving set like the the news breaks. He's down ten percent. Like the positive news breaks is up ten percent. Like Messi has a press conference and he, his price actually moves in real time as the press conference happens. Oh man, there's there's like you're talking about like. Not like an entertainment platform there, aren't you? Really? <laughs> <laughs> and you're also talking about kind of like FI definitely uh, functioning far better as a business in terms of getting more commission on, on both sides, bid and sell, um, when, you know, we actually have uh, bid side uh, commissions. But just the amount of capital that unlocks, and I, I do wonder if FI place kind of like a... Um, a kind of percentage lower than the buy price that we can actually sell at. Do you think that will happen, SG? Um, kind of like a sell zone rather than a bid zone. I th- think they probably will to start with. Whether it'll whether it'll be like that forever, I, I don't know. But um, obviously, it's still going to be early days. So I think whilst there's not so much money in the market, they'll probably try and limit the the sort of spread widths. Um, but it's just speculation, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any sympathy for people that are scared that their uh, portfolios will plummet, that the way that they value their portfolios from a, a buy, um, kind of buy now, quote unquote, standpoint? Uh, do, do you understand those concerns at all? Um, yeah, of course. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's quite important to just try to basically ignore what the app tells you your portfolio is worth because it's based on unachievable numbers anyway i've always thought from it from a sort of if i wanted to withdraw point of view I, i've sort of had a very low 40 percent of what it says on the screen is what <laughs> I, it basically is worth and when i've taken that sort of view then it's uh it sort of made things look a bit a bit sort of a lot better on screen <laughs> than I know it is in reality. I think everyone needs to sort of be awake to that. And that number is going to move around so much, quite possibly, depending on how they how they set up the, uh, the sell orders as well. It's going to move around so much that you don't want to concentrate on it or you'll just get yourself into a panic. <laughs> so you've really got to just ignore that number because um, it doesn't mean much until you come to sell. And so don't don't worry about it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think the the thing is that whilst there might be more volatility, it's actually going to be good volatility. You know, um, for the most part, it's going to be exciting and exuberant, like we've seen with the messy saga so far. But on both sides, you know, um, what what was really exciting to me was I saw a few people tweet, "Oh my god, his his um his spread's gone from six seventy down to six twenty, and it's kind of like, oh, you know, just watching that action in real time is is really exciting. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm excited to see sell orders. I'm excited to see the the communication that they're going to be bringing out in the next two weeks, and then I guess IPOs as well. There's there's just so much to come in the next three months that we're we're all really excited for. How how long do you think it'll actually actually be i mean i know they say it's going to be like three months or you know it's it's always dangling of the carrot isn't it but i think sell orders have to come in really soon yeah um, not because i don't think that the platform will cope without them but i think that 
the longer you leave that lag between buy and sell orders and it's lopsided, the more risk you take on as a platform and as a business if something goes awry um, in terms of trapping liquidity again, if there's a second spike or uh, if for any other reason there's a down, downfall in the platform or the market, which I, again, with double dividends, I just can't foresee. But with sell orders, you then have a situation where people are going to be able to trade no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. I think it obviously makes sense for them to get it in as, as soon as possible after the after the double dividends thing. What's the market still trying to catch up to that? And it's going to take a while. But um, FI fifth birthday mid September, a deposit bonus and sell orders together. Who knows? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound good. <laughs> birthday, you know. I mean, I mean that, uh, it's possible. What, what you just said kind of underlines why that increase was so important that we had yesterday. It was like. As it stood, if they launched sell orders, we would have seen drops, like for sure. And people hate drops. And as a result, they would have associated it with the sell orders. And they would have said it's terrible because that's kind of how people think. Whereas now I don't think, like, why would you want to sell players you hold? Because they've, they've just been made double as valuable as they were. So kind of that downward pressure doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So you can mm. kind of launch them much more. Like from a PR point of view, you have five just like what they've done is very, very valuable. It's kind of like when they uh, launched buy orders or, uh, you know, bids in a market where like no one could sell, right? It's, 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 uh, it, it got that good PR at the start because it opened up so much liquidity and the spreads were really tight, etc. And I think they relied on that goodwill a bit too long. Oh, it um, went on and- far, 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 far too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I suppose it's for them, it's between a rock and a hard place because it's like, well, are we going to change the platform that much? Uh, or are we going to let this bed in and then, um, you know, uh, get users used to how the bar- bid side works and then uh, put sell orders in but then I guess the they didn't really anticipate the the downfall from the kind of the small dividend increase that we saw I, I don't know if there's any uh, <laughs> still ill feeling about that um, I mean SG you were you were you seemingly confident in 100% the whole time yeah well I, I don't get it and I'm just pretending it never happened because in my head it never did happen so so that's that <laughs> uh, I, I never I never understood it but I bet uh, you, you could foresee what would happen with that, with the original increase. I mean, yeah, I, I'm with SG actually. Let's just forget it happened and pretend. That <laughs> right, moving swiftly on. Before we move on to the next questions, I just need to remind you that this podcast is supported by Index Gain. They've launched their latest product a few weeks ago, My IG, which helps traders manage their portfolios as well as view real time spreads and prices across the entire index. Analyze price moves for your players over multiple price periods simultaneously. Get real time price alerts straight to your phone for the players you hold or are watching it's awesome go check it out definitely 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 uh, have a look into it if you're putting any recent amount money in the index uh, and if you go over to indexgain.cleek you can use the code fig2020 for five quid off your first month or off your six month membership with a free uh month in that as well so if you go for their six month membership you get a free month and five quid off which is not a bad deal at all uh got a question here from fi ings after the U-turn, will this now set a precedent for FI? Either increase by 100% at each review or have everyone throw their toys out of the pram? It's a great announcement. I just worry this will now become the benchmark. Is that risky for FI financially? I heard a chuckle there, SG. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Throwing the toys out the pram just seemed uh, very apt. Yeah. Um, I think most users don't really see their 
the bigger picture. Uh, as we saw, like plenty seem to be pleased enough with the what I like to call the spoof review. Um, <laughs> but clearly, like the big money thought very differently. Uh, I think if if prices double sort of over the next twelve months and at a canter, I don't think it'd be ridiculous to to want a similar increase in a year's time. Um, but having said that, I think the hundred percent is not a benchmark at all. Any previous dividend increase doesn't really have any bearing on the next. We need the market prices to catch up to the value represented by the current dividends. And if I need to be confident that if they decide to increase dividends, there's still fresh money out there that will come in. Uh, it's definitely possible we could sort of have another year or two of doubling dividends, but it requires a lot of growth in the market and it can't continue at that rate sort of year after year after year. Um, yeah. They, they kind of told us, didn't they? They said they would review dividends in line with market growth. So the market grows massively, they, they can match it really. Yeah, exactly. And that makes total sense. So if the market grows 100% over the next year, then maybe we can expect or hope for another 100%. But again, they've got to be confident that that, that money is going to be able to come in. Yeah, that, that's why the kind of the spoof dividend review is it's catching Chris, on. Is yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, was so damaging because like, the market had grown by 60 plus percent since the last review. And that they were they were doing thirty percent or less. I think it might have been less than thirty percent. I can't remember. It's, I, I'm I'm in the process of deleting it from my memory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the other thing is that uh, PB Man, what they did also football index, so they locked themselves in for a year, didn't oh. they? They were like, you know, we want to do these once a year, and I totally understand that. We don't want to be playing an outsman index that uh, Panda so famously hates, and his famous quote of "I want to trade footballers, not trade announcements," but. If they had let the door open and said, look, we're going to do it 30% and then review in December, they would have saved themselves a hell of a lot of money, wouldn't they? I mean, it, it, it was just the whole everything around it, the kind of, it was the ambition, wasn't it, where the, the markets mm. grow, kind of outstrip last increase and, and putting a 30% increase on just caps it. And also it makes you think, oh, future increases probably aren't so generous. Like, like I was discussing Turkey earlier, saying like if you place a bet on Turkey, you're kind of saying hopefully the index is going to grow and dividends are going to increase. Like if, if FI suddenly, as they did there, put the handbrake on, you're thinking, well, maybe they're not going to go out that much and maybe it's not such a good bet. And that's a bad thing for FI because Turkey doesn't yield any dividends. People are staking on him for future dividends, which is a great position for FI to be in if they're getting lots of money in these players. And then, yeah, they, they just kind of, they put a handbrake on the top, which stopped everything. And <laughs> yeah, okay. But yeah, forget, we're, we're forgetting it. I think we've agreed. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Let's forget about it. Uh, positivity. FI Ben, uh, brilliant two guests. What is your opinion on the prices of £2 plus non-PB players? Intrinsically, almost no short-term value and lots of risk. But as we know, they can pay off, for example, Bruno. Do their prices reflect how heavily speculative the market is uh sg i think you like a few punts like this i, I assume by non-pb players he means players in non-pb yes. leagues yes yeah. yeah i presume fair enough uh because i'd say 99 percent of the index are non-pb players um <laughs> i think bruno was sort of a a one in a hundred example so it's bad to, to what about of... what about harland well, yeah, okay, okay. What yeah. about... Yeah. I don't know who else. Yeah, fine. Oh. So, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think now. Uh, but I, I think... Um, Vinicius? Vinicius, yeah. 
Yeah, three in, in yeah, maybe three hundred transfers. Who knows? Who knows? I'll put, I'll put that number out there. But I mean, so he was genuinely sort of excellent at PB at Sporting Lisbon and had a decent chance of being able to replicate it at United. And we'd already seen him fail to secure a move the previous year, so the media had sort of extra reason to write about him. Uh, I think, given the rarity of of those sort of situations, I wouldn't personally be taking. A chance on on sort of those two pound plus players in non PB leagues, especially with the sort of dividends we have on offer right now for for the players who can actually win. Um, so I, I think with those types, uh, the majority of time your upside is pretty small, and uh, in a world of order books, the downside could be could be sizable. So I don't think the prices reflect the severity of the risk, but equally I don't think we'll we'll see that sort of pricing change for a while because traders just love to speculate on those players, even if it's bad value i think that's right it's probabilities isn't it like what's the probability their x value in a pv league is basically what you're betting on i think instances that will kind of let those prices get a little bit out of hand because people are thinking oh in worst case scenario i can take a hit on instant sell but they, they all couldn't have done that that's one of the things people forget is that instant sell was kind of a pretend number because only one person takes that price and then they plummet the price for everybody else um but yeah people were kind of like you kind of hold up like a non-PV player to a PV player, league player, and, and it didn't really make sense to me. Like I, I would take punts on them if if the odds were good, if the probabilities were good. But they, 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 like, and on the whole, they're not good because, like, you look at like a two pound fifty non-PV player, and you think, well, there's a guy in a position you would hope that player would get in at one pound eighty. That's the same age. And so, so you're like, well, what's the upside here? Um, yeah. However, it, I think I think it's going to flip the other way. So hopefully, it, there'll be be a time where I'm I'm holding non PB league players because the odds on some of them are in my favour. I think one of my first buys on the index actually was Arthur when he was in non PB league in Brazil because I knew he he was likely to go to Barcelona. Um, but the odds on him were good because he was cheaper than all the Barcelona's players. <laughs> whereas now he would be like three pound and you'd think well yeah. Barcelona's most expensive midfield is like two pounds like, okay right <laughs> <laughs> simple math yeah um i mean the other one that i was going to mention sg bellingham that's an outside shite isn't it you know championship non-pb that counts doesn't it yeah that, that does count but i mean he's 16 <laughs> or whatever he is so <laughs> sort of, the index breaks when when a player's below 19 or something doesn't it Interestingly, um, Joel from Index Edge actually has some really cool data that I, I wish he would publicize uh, on Twitter. That 22 is like the inflection point. If a player is 22 and they are good for PB or they hit good PB scores that season that they're 22, they are very, very likely to fly up. I don't know why that's in people's minds that 22 is the age where a player makes it or, or doesn't. It's this, I don't think it's so much that that's the age. I think there's a lot of very bad pricing of young players. Like very bad, which is why they end up flying up when they fly, like people price things on the here and now. Other than these wonder kids, where they kind of price them based on them being an ex Ronaldo or Messi, um, but people price these like twenty one, twenty two year olds as if they're the finished package when usually they aren't. Like think about some of the big rises last year. Like I think Nkunku was like seventy p when he was he was kind of moving to Leipzig and he's set piece specialist and the Matrix is set piece heavy, um, like. Yeah, all these kind of players that kind of rocketed up loads in their early twenties were kind of, in hindsight, you can say that that was kind of obvious because they had. But, but there's players now that are like fifty, sixty p that can do the same, the exact same thing, 
but people think, oh, they're not good for PB because they haven't done it yet. As soon as, soon as they do it with any regularity, they triple in price. It's very, very like if you can pick them, you make a lot of money. Yeah, I think it is interesting, isn't it? Like that, that is uh, a really good way to put it. You know, the the prices of those. Um, really young players sometimes are overpriced because they can't all be that price um and you, you're just hoping that the ones that you have are the ones that are actually going to be as good as you you hope them to be and that's i guess uh, another reason why the index is so brilliant just understanding that um you need to pick which of those youngsters is most likely to be the next big thing and if you do pick well then you're going to make a lot of money especially when the market is kind of growing very 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 difficult to pick the best ones it depends. I think it's probably easier to pick the best early 20s. Whereas picking the best 16-year-old is... I mean, Bellingham does look a bit different. He's already playing first-team football. But picking a kid out of youth camp is basically impossible, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I think um, Sigmund's done a lot of... Uh... Uh, I think we, we tried to have a debate. I was like, you know, we were talking about Cherky and I was like, you know, but if every single kind of football expert in that um, region is saying that they think he's, you know, really, really good, blah, blah, does that not change your uh, thinking on kind of like the probability of him becoming a really, really good player? And his response was like, I wish I could short pretty much every under 18 player on the platform. <laughs> well, I wouldn't do that just because of, I think the platform's going to grow. But <laughs> yeah, I can see I can see where he's coming from. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of. I, I was looking at the NBA today in the draft, and, and there's a similar issue there where the, uh, I don't know if you've been the Mellow Ball. That he like he's played. He's had a very um, interesting pathway, that's a bit different from everybody else. So the, the, the usual talent kind of um, the, the usual kind of basis for talent isn't there. So it, it's kind of a little bit like the index trying to pick out a, like an academy player where people are trying to work out where he should go in the draft. He's kind of like exceptionally talented, but also like has real, real flaws. And yeah, so I was kind of looking at that and thinking there was quite a lot of parallels there, to be fair. Well, here we go. NBA index, right? Oh, NBA index would be massive. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if NASDAQ with their partnership with FI didn't have half an eye on something like that in the States. Just, yeah, I mean, something like that. There's also derivatives of, of FI, right? I mean... Um what was it Sigmund tweeted the other day? He was like, I wish I could bet on overs and unders against other people of how many dividends a player can win, uh, which would be quite cool, isn't it? As a derivative exchange on on Football Index, that would be uh, pretty crazy, I think. Um, let's see. I mean, you could literally put your money on the, where your mouth is, um, you know, on the timeline instead of arguing with people, which is like, all right, bet me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wouldn't want to be betting against either of you, by the way, just as a heads up. I think SG would have a few takers on bets with him from what I've seen on the (laughs) sideline. You're not going to stop the arguments, though, no. Whatever you do, you're not going to stop the arguments. The bragging rights would be brilliant, though, wouldn't they? Um, Dazzler FI, for PB Man, has order books made you more or less confident in your high-volume, low-strategy approach? Same. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, uh, long story short. Yeah, like... So like people, when he when he says order books, he means like I guess instant sell being removed. But when I'm holding hundred grand Santo, I can't instant sell that. It's irrelevant. It's like if I start smashing that button, if I go, well, here we go, thirty <laughs> percent spread. Like it, it, like it wasn't like people speak about instant sell through like rose tinted glasses, where they're like, oh, you could definitely get that price. When for me looking at it, I was like, "Well, that's that's not feasible." For a start, every every six hundred shares I sell is pushing the price down a penny. 
So I'm actually cannibalizing my own price by selling. So yeah, it's not like, like I said, I'm quite whisk averse and I take these big positioning pairs. I know a lot about and I, I rate quite highly so I can kind of ride out bumps. So for me, it's not made too much of a difference so far. I mean, we'll see, we'll see how they, they look when they're fully implemented. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing. I mean, at the moment, it's been hard to, I guess, get a lot of, uh, get high volumes via the audience. Oh, let's, right? let's, be, blunt, the let's be blunt here. We have the worst of both worlds at the moment. <laughs> like, like we've got the sell queue and kind of a buy only order book side where there's an impasse between everybody. But I, I'd happily pay somewhere between the, the um, instant sell price and the buy price of a lot of players on the index. But I don't know where that price lies. Whereas, whereas once we have fully functional order books, hopefully I'll be able to buy in volume again because it's frustrating when I'm getting these bids matched and I'm getting like 13 shares in this player and seven players shares in this player. And I, I, I'll, play, I'll pay more for them, but I don't know where the line is where people are actually going to sell me volume. Mm. I mean, people don't understand as well. There's the, the iterations to this. There's the sell orders, and then there's um, the depth of the market that FI could add. There's there's all sorts of things that come as iterations after this. This makes it that makes it a much more robust product, and I'm personally really excited for that. And I think it's going to be amazing. Oh, it, it should be. The, 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 <laughs> they've they've done everything right so far, other than that, other than the spoof. We've forgotten review. about that. Remember, yeah. TV man, we've forgotten. And about leaving it far too long between buy orders launching and sell orders coming in. Yeah, I think the timings are a bit off, but um, they'll get the in the end, and it'll be um, it will be really good. I think. Yeah, and I think we'll look back on it like, well, it was only three months, right? So, <laughs> similarly for SG, this is again from Dazrfi. Has order books provided a bigger opportunities for contrarian trading? I know you like to take, uh, as PBM I mentioned, you'd, you'd love to bet against half the timeline, but has this made it easier for you to be like, well, if you don't like them, I'll have them. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, just being able to by someone who is not flavor of the month but you still think is a good medium or long-term prospect um it, it's great to be able to buy those at a 20 25 discount rather than just after they've dropped five percent like they used to and you have to buy them at market price um it, it's loads better and it'll be good to be able to sell in a similar manner once um once the full order books come in so yeah yeah i love it that's <laughs> just it's fantastic like as long as it's implemented properly where like before if your player was dropping for a reason you didn't agree with all you could do is sit and watch them get instant sold whereas now you can be on the other side and be like well i don't think that actually affects his value too much and actually buy some more of him which is it's great like it's much better than just watching watching your portfolio <laughs> drop so you can actually you can take the other side of that and be like well i disagree with all of you so i'm gonna like the the, the the classic example was I, I bought into Bruno after that Wolves game where he got sold off for not winning PB. I could have got that much cheaper under order books, I think, where I, I had to buy at market price. Whereas cost you a pretty penny there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas I could have got I could have got a very <laughs> decent discount from saying like well, you're, you're basically all wrong. Sell me, sell me Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, just before we get into it, I need to remind you that this podcast is also sponsored by The Athletic. They're a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage featuring football reporters you know and love like David Ornstein, James Pearce, Sam Lee and Rafa Honigstein. The Athletic is telling stories you won't find anywhere else. No ads or clickbait, just great sports writing. For 40% off your annual subscription to the best sports writing round, go to theathletic.co.uk slash fig. It's £2.99 if you go for their annual deal. 
pretty cheap. I mean, SG, have you bought anything recently that costs you more than £2.99? Um, let's have a think. Don't really go out much nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I did buy some new headphones, which were significantly more than that recently. That's, that's been about my one purchase in the last week. <laughs> Fair play. Uh, PB Man? Uh, I bought a teapot. Oh, okay. Oh, flair. Yeah, nice. yeah. I like that. I've, got, I've gotten into loose leaf tea. So I'm right. Really- I got tea. I had, I had a celebratory tea last night after the announcement. Actually, <laughs> I had a, a I had a I had a nice white tea, delicate. Lay, it's lay, like lay one of those weird habits that I guess starts during lockdown, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like if the pandemic doesn't happen, I don't think you become like a loose tea hobbyist. That, that, that's quite offensive to me. You, <laughs> you don't know my tea habits. I don't. I don't. I'm going to be honest with you, but I mean, just while we're on it. Uh, SG obviously the athletic being added to uh the media algorithm which is great I mean a lot of people kept DMing me like fig you're gonna get loads of signups now and I'm like I don't know if that's how it works but cheers <laughs> <laughs> um when you came on the show for I think the second time or maybe the third time you've been on so many I can't really remember now we did like an MB special which people still listen to and they still love maybe episode 33 or something yeah, like that really good really good actually, really good I, I think I actually joined after it after the episode but I went back and another listen it's um it's good (laughs) well if pv man likes it then we know it's good um (laughs) it hasn't changed mb hasn't changed since then which is like over 100 episodes ago over 100 weeks ago was this a long time coming and uh what what do you think of the approach are you impressed by how they're going to be changing over the next 12 months um short answer yes It, it, it couldn't have been much sort of worse than it was uh i think I think sticking with a sort of sentiment-based idea is probably a mistake. I think it's just open to so many flaws and they perhaps should have just gone with literally volume, the, the player that's talked about the most. Um, <laughs> but but most of the changes in terms of name recognition um, and getting a wider pull of feeds and, and better sources, it, it all looks good. Promising probably takes it, as you've said many times, from like a two to a seven um and, and that seven will probably be enough for the next few years at least yeah i i think that's the key right it was a two something needed to be done something needed to be done i mean uh pb man what are your th- what were your thoughts on the kind of um you know the the, the mb revamp oh, i was very pleased i i was concerned they were going to change it too much especially with the sentiment at the time where people had kind of voted for foreign media where they wanted it and then actually the next week people were complaining Foden was losing media to ronaldo I was like, right, okay. <laughs> I don't think you know what you voted for here necessarily because Foden will never win in this case. Um, yeah, I'm glad the Express stayed, which I think a lot of people um, hate the Express. But I was looking at the Express and actually there is quite a good gauge of who's actually being talked about a lot because what the Express do is spam articles at Google, basically, to try and rank highly for that player. So they'll pick the player that's going to be searched the most that day. They'll release a load of articles on them. So actually, it's kind of like Google's algorithm feeding into into the media scoring, which is quite quite a weird. Like, if you came up to people and said, "Do you want the most search player on Google that day to get media points?" People would probably say, "Yeah." So it's quite indirectly. It's not necessarily the worst thing. I don't think. I know it kind of looks bad when they spam a load of articles on a player. They're doing it on Messi at the moment, obviously. Um, <laughs> but that's Messi is the most talked about player by. Miles and yeah, miles and miles. Uh, more often than not, that'll get you the right answer. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, um, 
I mean, look, the Express aren't necessarily less reliable than fucking Sky Sports News these days, right? Oh, no, so, not, no, definitely not yeah, these no, days. No one knows what they're talking about, so yeah. Exactly, right? <laughs> so, you know, apart from a select few journalists that even then sometimes get leaked the wrong information directly from the club, no one really knows what the fuck they're talking about. No, no, so no it's, I think... it's, 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 it's media buzz. It's not most accurate transfer rumour buzz. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So then in that in that case, what do you make of kind of the, the, no, the negative sentiment thing, uh, SG and PB Man? Like they're going to make it so, you know, on pitch actions are the things that are most relatable and talked about and given the most points. But, you know, Harry Maguire is never going to been buzzed for something like what he's done in, in Greece. Um, and I suppose, you know, other players doing bad things like maybe Grealish getting punched in the head wouldn't have won media buzz that day. I think he won it by a, an absolute landslide, even though he was playing in the championship those things are now lost right is that actually increasing fi's uh liability do you like the fact that that's actually gone out the window now i think this is a bit of a weird one i'm not entirely sure how it'll pan out because they worded it in a way that if the article scores a negative score then it won't count but but the words are still sort of mismatched like a good what what seems to be a good headline can still get a negative score and and the reverse so i i think I think the likes of Grealish getting punched, I think they should be in the news. I think they should count for a win. I think, you know, it's stuff that's happened to a footballer that's, you know, it's in the news. So it should win you points uh, and win you prizes. Um, so I, I don't like the idea of them just completely getting rid of anything that scores negative, especially if that negative is still sort of arbitrarily decided by random points that they've assigned certain words. So I, I'm not so sure about that, really. Yeah, it's, I, I don't, but I can understand from their point of view why it'd be a bad look if Maguire went shooting up for having a punch up in Greece. Um, like, like when if someone asks you why Maguire's price is rising, like I punched a cop, <laughs> it's, it isn't isn't brilliant. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I guess they have to draw a line in the sand of what. Yeah, that, that's the problem. Count. Like, if it's actual criminal activity by the footballer, then it doesn't count. It's simple. They can. I mean, obviously, there's going to have to be quite a few caveats that that's the problem with that, but. I think they could write most of them and it'd be clearer than what we're sort of working with now. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I, I hope what they mean by negative is kind of that kind of thing where it's a crime. I, I, I hope because I, I, something like Pogba having a fallout with Solskjaer or something like that should win media, even if it's a negative in inverted commas, because it is that's the headline, isn't it? Like if Pogba, if Pogba like refuses to play or something, then he should win media. Yeah, I, I hope it's like that, but that's not the way they uh, presented it in their communications to us. Mm. But we'll have mm. to wait and see. Mm. A lot to be seen. I, I think a lot remains to be seen. I want to see it in action. I want to see how it works. I, I'd love to see kind of like a a beta. Uh, a thing that comes out a couple of weeks before it's launched like this is who's going to be win it or who would have won um, each day and most people will see that it do- largely doesn't differ too much it's going to be the same players that crop up just more I suppose um, it's like, going to be messy over and over again <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not, like, I was literally about to say took the words out of my mouth it's not exactly like the media review is going to m- nerf net messy isn't it like oh messy is now a, a negative word like it's just yeah, not if, happen, yeah right. if messy doesn't win the day at the moment then it's because it's bad <laughs> they've made a mistake 
Um, well, I, I mean, you've got sidetracked there, but uh, Footballer Next Buzz has a good question here. Two top guests. People often say it's easier when you have a bigger portfolio, but in reality, it brings different challenges. How has dealing with large, withholding large share volumes changed with ME and OBs both, for both of you, especially interested in SG's take for holding thousands of very cheap players? <laughs> um, uh, I mean, before we get into SG, people, man, you, you mentioned, you know, you've, I've got 100K in Sancho. I can't just move that around really quickly is that one of the i mean it's a good problem to have but the trials and tribulations of having a larger portfolio yeah oh absolutely it makes it much harder to capitalize anything doesn't it in in percentage terms i mean in pound terms it's fine but that's what i kind of compartmentalize in my head is that i can't be throwing around like 400k on transfer rumors but i can like put a percentage of it towards it so i kind of compartmentalize like okay that's my long-term money i've got like Sancho and bathe trent whoever and I'm like, okay, well, they're there. And then I can kind of have my fun and chase big returns with the other, other section, you know? So it, it kind of like, it's kind of like I've got two different portfolios in, in, in a way. Uh, I take umbrage to the fact I don't have thousands of very cheap players. I have thousands of very cheap players. <laughs> and, and I will sell them to you if you will buy them, please. I mean, there's also been that whole like, oh, well, you know, you could have made more on uh, if you'd bought like if you put 100k into goalkeepers, PB man. I mean, Lee B explained this very well in uh, comparing Willian and uh, I believe it was Sancho. But can you kind of give a bit more overview in your in your perspective why it's it's not a expensive versus cheap thing you don't want to be on either side of this debate that's randomly being caused oh, by twitter stupid, i suppose it, it, which is very which is very silly but people just don't seem to understand that if there's a lot of money to be put in you can't put it all into very cheap players i oh, know diminishing returns definitely thing i mean i did put 35k in the goalkeepers though <laughs> <laughs> it was quite funny on twitter people were having a go at me they were like oh why don't you why haven't you put loads of money in goalkeepers like well actually i have <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, but I'll, I'll buy the player that I think is going to make me the most money. And that's the most money in pound terms. Like if a player goes from 8p to 16p, fantastic. But I'm going to make like £10 off him. So. <laughs> I mean, like people just don't understand that, do they? It's like the maximum you could have of that 8p player is not very much. No, I'll do what I think is going to make me the most money. That's, that's it. Mm, mm. I, I, this lower end against top end argument is so dumb <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 a bit boring now uh sg i mean speaking of cheaper players uh i've seen you with some horrific shouts some some decent ones uh i i wonder if you could give us some insight into who who's next on your list <laughs> <laughs> i think Honestly, it's just sort of a fun factor. I think I think sort of buying ten thousand of a twenty p player is is like a, an equivalent of having a mug bet on over five and a half goals on whatever games on TV. I just I just sort of do it for a laugh, um, and it, it always entertains me when I scroll through my portfolio and see them there six months later, ten percent less or whatever. That's um, me with Leon Bailey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've still got a couple there, but I, it's something I'll be looking uh, to do a little bit less now. Order books are around. Um, I think, I think you'll be able to do it at a fairer price, though. You might be able to get these players you were paying 20p for for like 8p. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I, I did manage to sell someone that I've got loads of at 12p for like 9p the other day, and I was delighted with that. Yeah, just, I'll, be glad, I'll be glad to get out for half my money. Well, um, well you, you were restricted, weren't you? Because because of the way that because of the way the prices moved, if you bought 900 a player, you were moving them up a massive percentage. Whereas now you can pick yeah, up yeah, a player without changing the price. So you can kind of it's kind of a more viable strategy, if anything. So you can kind of you can buy your Croatian league players, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know me too well. Um, yeah, if 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 you know if the opportunity arises, I will uh, I will absolutely be buying five thousand of a 10 B player. Just got to find the right one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard bit. Um, Luar Luar here. What PB relevant stats do you think improve the most with age? And how do you predict that improvement? Are there any non-obvious players in your portfolio that you think are any val- undervalued? And what gave you that impression? So first question there. Um, PB related relevant stats that you think improve the most with age? Uh, SG, any thoughts here? I think I'm just going to hand this one over to PB Man to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've largely been out of the game for the last 12 months, and research like this isn't something that I really looked at in a while. Um, and whereas you know he's literally called PB Man, so I think it should be uh, it should be that guy's go <laughs> in this bag. The, the name is a curse. <laughs> yeah, no, um, age definitely. I think older players score better, um, especially the kind of the stereotypical what most people think of. As a PB player, like the set piece taken, ball control heavy, a creative midfielder essentially, like to get that responsibility in the team, you tend to be on the older side. To get set pieces, you tend to be on the older side. That's why it's quite rare to have a very young player come in and demand the ball and take the set pieces. Um, and, and that's kind of where that inefficiency comes from where we're talking about 22 year olds is that, that they don't come into the team as a 19 year old and get all of the ball and all of the set pieces. Like they need to wait for the current incumbent to either decline or get better than the current incumbent. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd say that it's, it's responsibility essentially, isn't it? It's responsibility improves PB scores. Yeah, I think it's um, it's you know there's there's a lot of factors. I think it's kind of more uh, the percentage of possession that a player has for their team. Um, which obviously means that they they have like more chances to do PB relevant things. So I think you saw it with Dimitri Payet at West Ham and Marseille, right? Being that talisman, um, the younger a player can be in that position where they are the go to guy from a possession standpoint. When you're going forward, um, the, the 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 higher the probability they are of scoring like high BB scores. Yeah, it's quite rare as well. Like you, mm. you, you can look at you look at like the, the best PB players are Messi and Neymar. And that when their team gets the ball, they give the ball to Messi and Neymar, and they say, "Go on, and do a thing." Basically, so that, that that's yeah. To to get to that level of responsibility is quite quite yeah hard. I, I doubt like Cherokee's coming into the Leon team and saying to the Pioi, "Give me give me the ball." <laughs> <laughs> that's my penalty, mate. Yeah, sorry. yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> Penalties is another one where like the seniority has has an impact. Yeah, quite, it's quite, like um, go on, sorry. I'd also say I'm quite interested in SG's response to the second question: non-obvious, undervalued player. Given, given non-obvious players in your portfolio yeah, that you think are undervalued, yeah, given, what give, gave you that impression? Given that he's he's got thousands of random players. <laughs> I, I really don't. I really don't. I think I'm down to about sixty players now. I'm oh, really, really, really oh, uh, wow. streamlined. Yeah, I haven't nice and lean. Yeah, I haven't. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't. I'm, I'm out of the game in terms of PB. I just I haven't looked in ages. But I will be, I will be absolutely um, all over it over the next couple of weeks, and uh, I'll be looking for the for the next big thing. Um, but for now, for now, I don't have an answer. No answers. Fair enough. Oh, I mean, PB man, have you got any answers to this one? Uh, yeah, at, at the risk of blowing up my spot on a player, um, Solanke. <laughs> I think like that, that, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about very cheap players. That Slanky, I think there's probably a fifty percent of chance he's worthless, like completely worthless. And ends up playing in League One. Um, 
But there's probably like a 20% chance he becomes really good in the championship. And you look at Ollie Watkins or Ben Rahm or the other kind of boys who've done well in the championship and you think, well, okay, Solanke, like, I think that's one talk about people pricing the present far too highly is you, you look at someone like that and you think, well, it's not inconceivable things go really well for him. And, and you end up with like, get, like, I've been picking him up for like 30p. You're like, well, okay, if he, <laughs> if, if he just becomes like a moderately good championship player, he's probably worth a pound. So, <laughs> like, yeah, so that, I would say that's not obvious because most people would say, oh, Solanke's terrible. Like, I did this, like Rashford, I picked up a load of like three pounds because people were saying he's like championship level. And then he... <coughs> or RC. <laughs> yeah, essentially. But I was like, he's scoring goals in the Champions League and he's 21. I think he might be good. So, yeah. And again, like with order books, you can play that side better. Like I don't have to pay 70p for Solanke. I can take pick him up at 30p. I, I think yeah. having, having had a quick scan through my portfolio, <laughs> um, I think I'd probably have to put Patrick Schick as, as my shout for uh, someone I, who I, 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 Schick as well. <laughs> I feel like I've got enough of to be confident to, to just go flaunting his name around. Um, but I think he's um, certainly got potential. It's just, you know, classic centre-forwards capable of scoring a hat-trick, probably the, the main forward for Czech Republic in the in the Euros, etc. Oh, yeah, that's why we're all 20, buying. 24 oh, years oh, old. Oh, you wait. Though. It will be why we're all buying in six months' time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, I think he... Uh, I've been picking him up for a pound or so, so... What, when Czech no Republic crash out after losing every game, pretty much? Well, I've sold yeah, that, that, that. Yeah, exactly. That, that, <laughs> when has that ever stopped anybody? Peruvians were going to ridiculous prices before the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, they were. Schick's... Into, I, I actually have Schick as well. Um, I'm a big Schick fan from when he was... I used to watch him at Sampdoria. <laughs> he, he was great at Sampdoria, oh, to be fa- fair. Fantastic. Like, he, he's not kind of a classic centre-forward. You look at him and think he's a lump. He's, he's brilliant dribbling. For a tall guy, very good dribbling. But he, he failed a medical at Juve. I think he, there might have been a heart issue or something. Oh, okay. So Didn't know that, that kind of, yeah, that kind of like maybe causes some problems. But I do have him and I think like he, he is a good player, basically. So yeah, good, mm. good pick. Good pick, SG. <laughs> good, yeah. I'm glad I jumped in with that at the end. Let me just list him up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly so, get so, PD man so, buying them off of you. When, when does this podcast go out, Fig? It's Sunday, mate. All right, so Sunday we're listing Schick, yeah. Yeah, 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 and, and cool. uh, Solanke probably as well. Oh yeah, if I get market price Solanke, I double my money. So fantastic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for anyone listening, do not market buy Solanke. Do not feed into that man. Uh, um, make your own decisions. <laughs> uh, Tom Fennell here um, from the Discord. One for PB Man. Does he miss out on the thrill of his holds competing every match day, or do the less frequent large wins make up for this? I don't know. There seems to be a bit of a myth that I only have about three players. Well, I mean, you don't have that many players, though. I've got, I've got like 70. Oh, that's a lot more. But like, as in, in terms of the concentration in your portfolio, it's probably a lot of it in less players, right? Sometimes. It depends on what's happening. <laughs> like at the moment, I'm widening my net and picking up as many players as I can on bids because if people want to sell me players that are stubborn in value, feel free. Um yeah, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I will buy a player just because it's fun. Like before, sometimes it goes really well. I think I bought Chimmy Avila before he scored a banger or something like that just because he was playing on Monday night and I was a bit bored. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't think I miss out on thrills necessarily. 
Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, the myth the myth debunked. Uh, Divi Rascal here will be third-time listener, first-time asker. So out of 150 bloody uh, podcasts, this is the third time he's listened. He's got, he's got, he's got a good name as well. Yeah, decent. I mean, that's pretty original. It's better than just like having an animal or something like yeah, that, D- right? Divi Rascal, pretty good. Boy taking corners. FI alligator or something like that. Um, third-time listener, first-time asker. When assessing a young player as a potential hold how much of your decision is based on pure ability and how much is based on other factors do you have any examples of players that helped you refine this process hmm that's a tough one um pure ability i would say not much of my decision is based on pure ability because it's subjective and i don't have myself that as a particularly good judge of raw ability to be honest uh i think what's more important is the way traders pundits Twitter scouts and the general public perceive the player because at young ages it's the sentiment that, that drives the player's price more than their actual ability. But, but you do have to pay attention to whether that player might actually be any good because if that sentiment disappears and it turns out that the next Federico Makeda or whatever, you're, uh, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Makeda would have been incredible, wouldn't he? <laughs> Three pounds is 20p. I think San- Sancho would be a key example of a, of a player that sort of made me come around to that process like i i knew he was good i saw him at whatever the youth tournament was back when he was 17 or probably even younger and he was scoring for england and some of the guys at work were like well this guy's gonna be amazing but then i, I largely forgot about him oh, we, we've seen hundreds of those though that scored for england the youth tournament. yeah 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 exactly so i don't i wouldn't trust myself to say one player is is going to be you know a world beater um but if you can hear everybody else saying it, then then that's sort of someone to pay attention to. Uh, but you've just got to keep a close eye on him, I guess. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, right? Like, for every Sancho, there's like a, a Reese Nelson who, who could be really good. But at the time, um, when they were kind of both coming up the ranks together, Reese Nelson was doing really well for England's junior teams, right? As an Arsenal fan, everyone had quite high hope for They him. play for the same five-a-side team. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Like it's um it, it's it's crazy how eighteen months of football for a player that young can deviate their kind of progression and their landing point in the in in the future. One injury, one fallout with a manager, one wrong transfer move, one wrong loan, and you're kind of um you're next you're the next Solanke rather than the next Sancho, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's so many things that can go wrong and and it and the prices are always built up that everything goes perfectly right. Um, so it's, there's a lot of risk and you've got to pick the correct players um, and just keep an eye on it really because things can change so quickly. I operate like a bet where as things become more certain, you can stake more. Uh, as, you, as you kind of know what your edge is, you probably like similar to Kelly criteria on SG if you're familiar with that kind of stuff. I am, I am, yeah. yeah I would imagine you would be. <laughs> but, but yeah, where, where, as you kind of, can quantify what your edge on that player is you can kind of up your stake can't you like I, I would not have bet much money on Sancho as a 16 year old as a 17 year old I bet a bit as an 18 year old I've seen a bit more and I, I was more sure I bet some more 19 year old oh my god he's excellent more like yeah the, the more tests they pass even if it's just like your own personal eye test then uh, the more confident you become and the more you're willing to, to stake on that player yeah you have, you have more data on them like the, yeah I think that I can't remember which former Liverpool player it was was saying it, but he was saying you're not you're not an established footballer until you've made a hundred appearances. 
<laughs> so, so until which is quite, I think that's probably quite a good rule of thumb to be fair. Like a player isn't kind of an established. You, you don't necessarily know exactly what you're dealing with until they have played at least hundred games. Is that why? Like, I mean, I've had uh, good success in the future. I was like probably one of the first owners of Hammer Junior Trial Ray because I'd seen he'd played a lot of minutes. Uh, he played the most minutes outfield under 21 um, in his debut season in Serie A. And I was like, well, I don't really know if this guy is that good. Watched the YouTube compilation and went, he's played a loads of minutes for a, a mid-table team in Serie A. Must be half all right. And it worked out well for me. Like, it, it, I mean, sometimes the FI is that simple, but there's kind of a method to that madness in looking at how many minutes youngsters can play or have played. There's a huge method to that madness because I think it correlates better than anything else. Game time with potential ability. And, and it's kind of crazy how on index it works the other way, where the, the youngsters that do get game time are often cheaper than the ones that don't because they're not doing amazing things yet because Junior Traore is 18 and playing for Empoli. Like, what's he? He's not going to be smashing big PB scores. Whereas people look at, like... I think I talked with Lee Butler about this. That there'll be ages ago about right, Graven Birch on the timeline. Uh, we were talking about Graven Birch against Traore, actually. And I was saying, I don't understand how Graven Birch can be like three times the price when Traoris were already doing what you would wish Graven Birch wasn't starting in a PB league and sends and scores and all this sort of stuff. And he was like, well, because, because people like the kind of myth, the mythical PB beast player. Whereas Duna Traore, you know, he's not going to be winning lots for a while, even though it bodes well for his future. It's, it's like, like pe- the people see it as almost a negative. They're like, oh, he's playing and he's not winning. When it's, the, if anything, it's the other way around. Yeah, you can't expect any of those young players to be consistently challenging for PB, but but as soon as people see the scores in their poor, they're instantly put off by it. And that's just not the not the way it should be, because you can't expect them to be good at PB, because as we discussed earlier, it's like there to be a good PB player, you've got to be the centre of the team and no no under twenty year old is really gonna be that. It's something they've got to grow into and getting game time early in your career is the, the best way to do that. Yeah, and and even those uh, young players who make impact, right? So I mean, I'm a big Arsenal fan, but Kai Osaka, no, no, um, no surprises there. Uh, you know, really young guy, ton of assists for Arsenal in a variety of positions, burst on the scene, done really well. But even then, he's done it in a kind of impact versus. Uh, um, quantity like it's impact versus quantity he hasn't had a a massive quantity of chances to do what he's done but he's kind of made the right passes at the right time and got the right actions and done really well whereas like it will take him and he might even never even get there like at least five six years before Arsenal like well actually we're building a team around you um so I think that's really important to remember even if like a a youngster does do well and and score a lot of goals or assist a lot um it it can be the case that you know they might not ever become a dominant player in that side yeah, no, exactly. That that's completely true. I think other like things get skewed by sub appearances as well. Like when I'm working with data, I tend to remove sub appearances, whereas people often see it as a bit, as as like a they're like, oh, he scored this in twenty minutes. So if we extrapolate that to ninety minutes, <laughs> that know, he came on fresh against tired players and playing like, <laughs> and his team were four 0 up. So obviously he's going to do well. Like yeah. 
Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's impossible to um, to extrapolate those scores. You know, twenty minutes. Oh, he's got this many points after eighty minutes. He's going to be a PB beast. Um, what about like the per ninety scores? Is that uh, is that still heavily skewed? Yeah. Even if they play, yeah. you know, seventy minutes on average. Yeah. If you play the full game, you're more likely to win. <laughs> so it's, it's that simple, really, isn't it? Like, if if a player's constantly playing seventy minutes, they're not going to win. Mm. But can you extrapolate that potential to be like, well, if he starts playing 90 minutes, Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's much easier to do than doing a sub-appearance because he's playing against pairs at the same level of tiredness, at the same level of fatigue. And, yeah, he's actually starting the games, not not coming on. Like, like substitutes, like, they have a massive, like, the, they, like in terms of goals per minutes and stuff like that, they have a much higher rate than starting players do. Because that's what you, that's what they're putting the game to do, isn't it? They're fresh and it's like go and go and get a goal or change the game for us. It's a completely different kind of responsibility when you're starting. Well, I think that's what we've got time for. Uh, really appreciate you both coming on, gentlemen. Um, SG, where can people find out more about you? Uh, I am on Twitter uh, at Sigaskell. That's S I G A S K E L L, and I will look to be quite a bit more active over the coming months. Awesome, awesome. And PB Man yourself? Yeah, at PB Man 9. That's PB Man with a 9. And then... <laughs> that's such that a, iconic that, brand, that's you such know. such a stupid joke. I'm just sorry. I've ended on a terrible note there. <laughs> if, we, if you could see SG more active, actually, he never fails to cook up something interesting. I, I think the popcorn, yeah. popcorn gifts come out. <laughs> I want to see a few more charity bets as well. That's That's good. Good crack. Uh, thank you both so much for joining me again. Uh, went on probably a bit longer than we anticipated. If you guys are commuting out there right now, please stay safe uh, and and all that jazz. If you're not commuting, working, doing whatever you're doing, listening to this, then have a great day. Sorry we didn't get to answer all your questions. Obviously, this kind of got lost in all the craziness of the 100% increase, the, the crazy phone-ins where Panda doesn't really or thinks, I don't know who Jeff Bezos is. Um, remember, Football Index is a gambling platform, only but you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops thank you very much everyone for listening have a great day 